Welcome to the Request 2021 podcast. In the winter of 2021-22, a team of 10 members of scouting, eight from Kent and two from Scotland, will be sailing together on the Bark Europa tour ship from South America to Port Lockroy in Antarctica. The plan is to sail exactly 100 years after two scouts sailed on Shackleton's original quest expedition. I'm Alan Noak and I'm project leader and I'm the person who came up with the whole crazy idea in the first place. Uh, Each of the participants is to carry out an Antarctic research project. So my personal project is to produce a soundscape record of our journey. That's before, during and after Antarctica. The plan is for this podcast to include interviews, scouting historical links, events uh, and research project work that we record along the way. So uh, please join us as we venture to Antarctica and back again on the journey of a lifetime. It promises to be a memorable experience. So welcome, welcome to episode 16 of the Request 2021 podcast. Um, And uh, this is going out on Monday, 1st of February 2021. And uh, this episode, we've got uh, a short uh, extract from uh, a book by uh, Stephen Nicol about uh, Antarctic krill and uh, a little bit on the story of Alan. Uh, uh, that's the name of the krill, Alan, the 11-year-old Antarctic krill. Um, And also uh, we have our request interview with Philippa Davies. Uh, Philippa hosts the uh, Canterbury-based local uh, Antarctica group, uh, which is uh, cunningly called Cantarctica. Um, She's also the founder of the Betjamin Society. Um, So that's coming up at the end. Wanted to give you an update on all the fundraising events that we've got going on. Obviously, uh, we've just about to hit 75,000. Uh, we've got to get to 110,000. So still £35,000 more to raise. So we are working flat out uh, because of COVID restrictions. Most of our fundraising is online. Uh, during February, we've got the quest for the soup, silver suitcase. Um, and uh, I think that we've got uh, at the time of uh, speaking, we've got uh, over 44 households taking part um, all around Kent and beyond. We've got people in um, in the USA. Uh, greetings to you guys as well who are taking part in the quest for the silver suitcase. Um, you can find that on our on our Facebook page and on our website. Um, We've also, uh, during March, uh, going to be holding an auction. Uh, It's going to be an online auction, so you can bid for all sorts of items, uh, from small items up to some really interesting uh, polar items. Uh, And that's going to run for a week uh, from Saturday 20th of March until um, Sunday the 27th of March. And uh, so there's an opportunity there. If anyone has any items they'd like to donate uh, for the auction, please uh, get in touch. Um, And uh, that's going to be running. Um, Then we move into April and we have organised a really exciting um, worldwide sponsored 24-hour rowathon. 
and our aim is to try and row the the 800 nautical miles uh, that were rowed by the crew um, Shackleton's uh, team um, in the James Caird as part of the endurance uh, expedition and uh, so that's going to be um, held uh, with two rowing machines actually either side of the actual James Caird lifeboat uh, which is at Dulwich College. Dulwich College have uh, uh, partnered with us along with the James Caird Society um, and we've also got GB rowing so we've got people um, rowing for us uh, all over the country and as I say all over the world um, during those 24 hours or that week uh, to raise us some money. Um, and then finally as we sort of approach our uh, June deadline for trying to raise all this money. Um, we've also got uh, five participants in the London Landmarks Half Marathon and uh, they're going to be wearing penguin suits so you shouldn't have any problems spotting them and uh, we'll be uh, really promoting that event and uh, perhaps sponsor one of them um, to run a half marathon for us in London. So lots of exciting stuff going on fundraising wise. Okay, um, so we're going to start with a little uh, reading of uh, Alan the Antarctic Krill. And here we go. The most straightforward way to find out how fast a krill grows and how long it can live is to measure the size of captive krill as they grow. This approach became possible once krill were being successfully maintained in the laboratory. Japanese researcher Tom Aikida, working in Australia, was a genius for keeping krill alive. It was he who in the early 1980s had shown that krill could survive over 200 days of starvation. Tom kept his krill in individual jars in a cold room. He was meticulous checking each krill daily, changing their water and re removing waste material and discarded malts. The malts proved extremely useful because by measuring their size he could work out how big the krill was before it malted. He accumulated months of these measurements and was able to track individual growth and shrinkage over a year without overly stressing the krill. Tom nurtured each of his krill and even named them all. As krill got older, they became more valuable because they had already been alive in the laboratory for many years, exhibiting astounding longevity. His prize specimen, Alan, had been swimming around in his two-litre jar in the cold room for nine years. Alan had probably been at least two years old when captured, which meant that he was technically over five times the accepted age for any known krill at that time. Unfortunately, Alan met with an untimely death when he accidentally escaped during a water change and disappeared down the drain. So we'll never know the ripe old age he could have attained. His legacy though, is that of record-breaking longevity, changed forever how we thought of krill. No longer did krill grow fast and die young. We now appreciated that they took two years to mature and then could live long and fulfilling lives, drain pipe accidents notwithstanding.
Okay, that was an extract from The Curious Life of Krill, um, which uh, all of the team have uh, got a copy of, and we're genning up on our knowledge of Krill, um, all about a conservation story from the bottom of the world. Uh, highly recommend the book, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to next have our uh, monthly request interview with um, Philippa Davis. Here we go. So, so tell me, tell me a bit about where you grew. Where did we? Were you born in Canterbury, or where did you grow no, up? I wasn't. I was. I was born in, in Chislehurst. Uh huh. Which is um, it, it, it is Kent. Right. So you I, you were I, born I, in I, Kent. Just yeah. Kent. Yes, born in Kent. It's very much, very much Kent. Yeah. Um, in in um, uh, and I lived all my life in Chislehurst. My uh-huh. mother was christened, confirmed, and married in Chislehurst, and. I was christened, confirmed, and married in Chislehurst, and had no thoughts of going anywhere else okay. until I married Jake. And suddenly, I just before our, our wedding, uh-huh. Jake was transferred to the northeast of England. Oh right, which felt like an incredibly foreign country. And I can only tell you how glad I was to have the experience of living in Newcastle. So that was a completely um, different uh, change. It was completely oh god. Different. I finished my. Uh-huh. I was training as a physiotherapist at Guy's. Right. I grew up in Chislehurst, and uh-huh. everything was everything. I mean, I, everybody seemed to live in Chislehurst. I didn't really think we went to Bickley and Bromley. And the only thing I know about Chislehurst is the caves. <laughs> well, we lived above the caves. Oh right. <laughs> Right. And, and my father was asked to, to name it. Well, he, he named it Cricket Ground Road. <laughs> well, that's easy. And they put the name up. Uh-huh. The vandals pulled it down, so we went back to just being called Rosemount Cottage. Oh, Chiselhurst. oh okay. Very, very lovely. So, so did you go to school in Chiselhurst? Or? I did. I yeah. went to school called Farrington's. Right. And we went to, well, we went to Miss Nicholas's first. Yeah. Which was a little nursery. So we'll, First of all, started at Mrs. Bannerman's dancing classes. Right. Then went Miss Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. And Miss Nicholas, the, the, the two Miss Nicholases, yeah. their, their house was called St. Nicholas Lodge. Okay. St. Nicholas Church was the great church opposite the Tiger right. in Chiddlehurst. The Tiger and being a pub or a... A pub. Yeah, and, yeah. And everything happened at the Tiger, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. There was another pub called the Rambler's Rest and another one called the Crown, but... Right. Everybody went to the tiger and we sort of went out of the church and into the tiger and out of the tiger and into the church. <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was, it, it was near the cockpit. It's funny how it, different pubs go in and out of fashion, don't they? They sort of, it, they it, do. It, yeah. Because I think, in fact, the crown is the, now the one that people go to. Right. The, but the tiger's still a very prominent place. We, yeah. to, we had the cars that we had were very rackety old cars. Uh huh. Danny kept them going, but we used to, on this bumpy road, we used to go along the road. Standing on the running board, you know, nothing oh, about God. safety. <laughs> it was probably so rusty, we probably bounced on it, hoping that the running board would fall off. But there was no, there was no cars on the road then. Very li- very few cars on the road, surely. There weren't many cars no. on the road. Mummy ran the school car. In the in the one of the petrol crises, my father uh, managed to get petrol for Mummy because she she ran the school car to take people to to Miss Nicholas's uh, okay. school. Anyway, <laughs> so she, she seven, was ferrying um, them. Yeah. At seven, um, uh, I, all of us 
in our form, mm-hmm. apart from the boys. The boys went to Bickley Hall or Carn Bray, and, right. and the girls went to Farrington's. Okay, so, we, so that was a girls' school, yeah. It I, was a girls' school, uh, yeah. yes, and we w- went to the junior school for four years. Right. And then we, and then um, when we were 11, all of us went up to the senior school, and, mm-hmm. you know, all that bunch of people from Miss Nicholas, well, from the dancing classes to Miss Nicholas... Yeah. To Farrington's Junior School, to Farrington's Senior School, we are still friendly. Yes. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? great. That's wonderful. Yes. It it was a lovely childhood. So so school was, I mean, well, I I still can remember the school bell at the end of lessons going at five past one. Uh And lunch was quarter past one. Right. And joy, oh joy, quarter (laughs) past two, first games, and out we went to play lacrosse or tennis. For the afternoon. afternoon, yeah. All afternoon until tea, tea was at four o'clock and then right. lessons began again at half past four. Uh-huh. And uh, it, was, it, was just, it was just heaven, really. It's a nice childhood. Oh, that's it lovely. Was. And then yeah. we had um, Asian flu. There was an Asian flu outbreak when okay. I was at school. Okay. And there was one, one man at the school, one man, and he was called Mr. Bull. Right. And Mr. Bull was at the gate one day and he said to us going in, a lot of people were boarders, but I was a day, what was called a day boarder. Right. And the day boarders went in, and Mr. Ball said, the school's closed. Right. Why was it closed? Because of the flu. All right. Asian flu. Oh, my God. So Merrill and I had ten days of utter heaven. <laughs> making camps. Mer- to- Merrill's your sister, yes? Or- Merrill was my friend. Oh, your friend, yeah. And my sister didn't ever go outside to play. She was always right. indoors doing writing things and drawing things. Oh, OK. Yeah. Making camps and bonfires and <laughs> climbing trees. That's, that's all I ever wanted to do. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> it's been rather like that in this shutdown. I've been so happy going out in the garden, creating all sorts just of Just enjoying things. your garden. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely to have a garden and space. To... And um, so did you go go on to university? Or... No, I then went up to Guy. I went to Guy's. Oh, guy, to, Guy's I, next. I did my A-levels at Woolwich Polytechnic. Right. And, and then I went to Guy's. Yeah. For, to, to study physiotherapy. Okay. And um, that was a three-year course. Right. Three, well, three and a half, three and a quarter years, and in the last quarter, mm-hmm. that was when we got married, and we went then to live in Newcastle. Right. And so, did you set up a physiotherapy practice there, or were you, did you work for no, a practice? No, I, I, I met a most lovely lot of a bunch of people. So I've got two two sets of physiotherapy friends. It was a very female. Mm-hmm occupation and my guys friends are still my friends yeah and then um my newcastle group there are about 20 in a, in a in a set right and and two so, and my newcastle friends and then we we moved we we lived in county durham in, uh-huh. in a place called sedgefield yeah which was actually on gravel we were surrounded by coke works and mining uh-huh. around and i a lot of my my work in London right. was rehabilitating what we would call strap hangers, i.e. Strap people hangers. would go into London on the underground. Uh-huh. Do you remember the leather? Oh, strap leather hangers, straps? yes, like the leather straps. Yes, the leather straps. Uh-huh. Yes, I mean, it was a fairly humble population around guys, and the people who came in who commuted, they were the strap hangers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that and name. A very... A very um, um, calm sort of rehabilitation mm. whereas in Newcastle right. if you can just imagine the difference of rehabilitating a minor oh, to get cool. him down back so in the different. so different and we went on we, well, some of the minors rehabilitation they had these commando runs and, and sat 
Daniel McLaren, who had been a, a bus driver, she looked like a Michelin tire person. <laughs> yeah. Would stand at the Hermitage Rehabilitation Place uh-huh. in Chesterley Street, which is famous for the North Great North Run. Yes. I, and yeah. She would stand there and say, "Shoulders, backs, <laughs> legs," and then we would be told where we were to, which group we were to take, and go off. And, <laughs> and then we had to get them fit to go in back into a mine. Oh so, wow. But you know, totally have, different, but really, really interesting. Different. Yeah. And I've never, never known such brotherly love mm. among men who were not related as amongst those miners. Those miners, yeah, when they, they have to work together so in that special. environment. Yeah. Totally different environment. But the girls, their ambition uh-huh. in mining families was to go and work in the co op. And the boys went down the mine, they did what their fathers did. Mm hmm. And it, it was a short job, and then I think the miners' strike would have changed everything, lot. like it did in this area. Yes, yeah, it must yeah, have done. It must yeah. have done. I remember um, that when I was younger. Yeah. And so then we we um, we lived we lived in Newcastle, and then we lived in in Sedgefield in County Durham. Right. Then we moved back to Chislehurst because Jake's job then changed. Ah, again. so you came back down. So when roughly when would that have been? That was in nineteen six. Um, eight. Okay. No, it wasn't. It was nineteen. No, it was not. It was nineteen seventy. Nineteen seventy came back down. Right. We moved back back to Chislehurst. Uh huh. And then um, we we bought a cottage in 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 Wingham. Oh right, yeah. Just for fun, for a country cottage, and uh-huh. then changed his job to work for Hornby. Yes. Okay. And he worked in Margate, and we looked at the map, and we thought we could actually live in that cottage. <laughs> and it was such a happy time living in Wingham. Yes. But yeah. we outgrew it because two more babies, okay, and three, three children. It was we were bursting at the too feet. small. Yeah. And came to Canterbury, and the, the thing was that moving to Canterbury led to all sorts of things. It, when I started collecting tiny things uh-huh. when we lived in our cottage yeah my father had said it doesn't matter what you collect as long as you collect something mm-hmm. well we lived in a tiny house so i could only collect tiny things right so what did you and choose that led to me really getting doll's houses ah, and then okay. it led to yeah. me having this model ship ah so that's how you got the, the model that's how it's my love of, of tiny perfect Tiny things developed, really. Right. From living in a small house where we had no room to collect much. Yeah. But that once I stopped collecting babies, I then <laughs> started collecting uh, little little things. So t- t- tell me more about the ship. How did you come about well, it? The ship, well, it was because of my love of little little things and perfect things. And mm-hmm. I met Will Mole and was ter- he was a friend. Yeah. And very impressed by the work and when we went to dinner parties he would treat us to a, a viewing of the progress he'd made on mm-hmm. the SS break, uh, no the the um war- the warrior oh yeah, yeah. HMS was, warrior yeah oh HMS warrior was yep. his first major museum quality ship okay and I just remember the unbelievable detail that he went mm, to mm. and the way he described the dedication for someone the absolute just dedication hours and, and hours of painstaking things, it's so surprising how these things they were totally deeply in my brain 
but there was I then sort of had the dolls' houses and then worked hard and and then one day at a cocktail party mm-hmm. was talking to Sue, his wife. I said, "Is Will busy at the moment?" <laughs> and she said, "Not especially. Why?" I said, "Well, do you know, I'd love him to make something for me, and I can't." Oh, wow. think what to ask for okay and I, I so I, I went I said well what can I ask you to create <laughs> what would you like I said well I've thought of a musical box and his face fell and I wasn't the least bit interested in a musical box <laughs> <laughs> and he, he had this sort of kindly will look about him and he held his hands about I don't know three feet apart uh-huh. and he said well he said what are you saying? Well, he said, well, I, I made the hull of a ship. Right. And I said, do you mean it's languishing? He said, well, yes, I do, really. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's, well, it's a ship called the Discovery. Ah. And he told me a little bit of the story that uh-huh. Clements Markham had been walking along in London and bumped into um, Scott. Yes. Falcon Scott. Yes. And... That um, story was that Markham said to Scott, Scott, are you busy at the moment? (laughs) (laughs) Not particularly. (laughs) Well, would you you captain my ship? Because Queen Victoria at that time (laughs) wanted Britain to have some landmark success. Right. This is so. This is around the turn of the 1900. century. Yeah, it's nineteen oh one. They went, wasn't it? So they yeah, went they, in nineteen oh one. Yes, but it, took, it would have been a bit earlier than that. It would have been the end yeah. of the eighteen hundreds. Okay. So, so Queen Victoria wanted to actually have have a have a, a some sort of prestige from Antarctic exploration, or well, she wanted. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily from that, but yeah. the but the exploration was opening up, uh-huh. and the idea of first man to the pole. Right. What was an exciting project. Yes, yes. And so the government were able to put some money in, I presume, or, pe- or it was, I'm not sure exactly, Will would know exactly uh-huh. who sponsored the, the expedition. Yeah. But, but, but the, they had to, the only people who were capable of making the ship that was suitable right. was the, were the whalers of Dundee. Okay. And it had to be an elliptical ship. And it's gone back to Dundee now, hasn't it? Yeah, so... Yeah. It's gone... It's back in Dundee. Yes, it's, I've visited it there. Yeah. It's had, it's, it's had an adventure because it, it came back... Because, it, because Amundsen got to the pole first. Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't the first. It was not such a revered ship. Yes. And went then, eventually, to be used for the Hudson by the Hudson Bay Company. That's it. For about twenty-five years, and then later it, be, I know it became the Sea Scout ship on the Thames. Yes, it yeah, did. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned this to one of my cousins who was a merchant seaman, and he said he's a cousin-in-law, and uh-huh. his father had served on this ship. Oh wow! The Hudson Bay Company. Oh wow! <laughs> but I said to Will, "How could this?" All right. So he sort of held his hands up. And uh-huh. thought, it's a story that you know I'm not. I mean, Captain Scott is a legend that everybody knows about. Yes. You know, the heroic, dashing, delightful seaman who took mm-hmm. the, the, the ship to Antarctica. Uh-huh. And I said, but how would that tie up with my Doll's House collection? And by <laughs> then, I got a Betchman collection. Oh, God. And he said, well, the Doll's House collection is easy because it's small scale. 
my doll's house collection is 12th scale, but the model ship is a 48th scale, so right, it's, still yeah. imperial, it's still imperial measurements. Yes, yes. And I thought, well, I could put it on a table in the dining room. I didn't quite know what I could do, really. <laughs> but then I realised what an absolutely marvellous treasure it was. Oh, it I is. It's to, wonderful. It's well, wonderful. I had to get somebody then to make a cabinet. Yes. And I and then it fitted into my physio. Then, well, so physiotherapy-wise, fits into it in a way that I then we moved down to Canterbury, and when we moved here and. Um, I started my physiotherapy practice uh-huh. in my house. Yes. And when I when I retired from that, the physiotherapy bed went, and surprisingly, immediately into its place went the cabinet and the ship. <laughs> so it got it pr- was, prime position. <laughs> it did, it did. In order to get a cabinet made, mm-hmm. I went. I went to Greenwich. Okay. To look for a cabinet to. See what they were like, so yes. that I could put one for the ship. Yeah, they didn't have any anymore. They put their sh- a few, very few model ships, and they're in huge fixed wall, wall cabinets. Right. So they said, "Don't, don't worry with us. We haven't got any anymore. Go to Chatham." Okay. So I went to Chatham, met the curator there. Right. Who actually had been bought in a new will mole, <laughs> um, and he, um, he said, "Well, go and have a look." But the, the cabinets we've got, actually, one of them's broken. Right. And it just so that really everything there was too big and unsuitable so I then decided I was going somewhere smaller and I rang the Scotch Polar Research Institute right anyway I spoke to the archivist yes who was incredibly friendly Mm -hmm. they were really helpful and so we we joined the Scotch Polar Research Institute we went to the Scotch Polar Research Institute and they had cabinets that were worth looking at Ah. but in fact the the actual the, the total inspiration for my cabinet mm-hmm. then putting that those small cabinets together with our visit to Rudyard Kipling's house Bateman's yes Bateman's yeah um, the cabinets that he had made there uh-huh. were the door I liked the panelling of the doors right and so, so, um, well, we got two things there. Tell, tell me first, uh, the how you started the Betjeman Society because you founded it, didn't you? I did. I yeah, did, I, did, I did found that. I well, it was a, for very selfish reasons. I wished to go. I hadn't met Betjeman. Mm-hmm. I heard he was ill. I didn't know how to meet him. I didn't know that you could meet people like that. Right. But then I thought he was ill, and as a physiotherapist, I must decently wait till he got better. Right. He didn't get better. Uh, he died. Ah, uh, so you never met him. I never met him. Uh, so in my desperation uh-huh. to go to his memorial service, which I was pretty sure would be held, Yes. and I saw in the paper, lo and behold, there in the paper was announced on the 29th of June, St. Peter's Day, yes. 1984, a memorial service was to be held. Okay. So I took my letter to Dean's Yard, and like a hot chestnut, <laughs> I put this rather lying letter through the Dean's Yard letterbox, <laughs> yeah. saying, claiming yeah. I represented the Canterbury Betjeman Society. <laughs> so it started so you could attend the, 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 the uh, um, funeral event, or the, uh, the uh, memorial event. Well, I... I I didn't know because, you see, I had to take the letter because there were postal difficulties. It didn't say a strike. Right. But it said 
personal difficulties. Okay. So I took the letter to Dean's Yard, yeah. sure it got there, yeah. and didn't know I wasn't going to receive any tickets by post because of personal difficulties. But uh -huh. A friend of mine, Sarah Taylor, and I went together on the day, and would you believe it, when we went to the little marquee at the entrance to Westminster Abbey, I said my name very distinctly, Davis, uh -huh. and yeah. I think there might have been some other Davises, but nevertheless, yeah. Philippa Davis, yeah. There were tickets. There were two tickets for me. Especially for you. Especially Wonderful. For me. But they, and, weren't, uh, in the, so they weren't in the nave. They yeah. weren't in the choir. They were in Poets' Corner. Oh, wow. By, by friends and family. <laughs> so, so it was a very privileged position to very be Very much in. so. Very much so. And and so um, it's gone on to... It's got over a 1,000 members now. Is that right? Well, it, it, we got I, up I looked, to that far, but... As with all societies, yeah. the, 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 the people who sign up prime example, it might say, mm -hmm. is Euston Arch. There was a great campaign to save the Euston Arch. And he was involved, was he? Or, yes, he was yeah. involved with very, very influential people because he was involved with, in, he was friendly with very influential people. Okay. And they wrote letters um, to all, all parties that they could possibly write to, but the authorities of Euston were determined in their effort to demolish it. And you know, as soon yeah. as they the first sledgehammer mm. at the Euston Arch, they knew they had made a mistake. Oh dear. And at the moment, oh, they're trying to fish it out of the Lee. In, in the Olympic Games, they found that quite a lot of the Euston Arch had been thrown into the Lee Valley. Oh god. And they're trying to get it out. Oh. So it is, it, so, it might no, be able to recover it. I, that, didn't, yeah. that didn't found the society. That, that got me tickets. <laughs> okay, so that was that was, and then you went ahead and set the society no, up. Three years, oh, I kept quiet. I told, I told, I told, it was an act of imposture. Tonight, an act of imposture. But gradually, I uh -huh. mentioned to people Betchman, and and some people would say never read poetry. Others would say don't don't like him. Yeah. And others would whoop with delight. So well, it's linking them up. In this room where I'm sitting now. Right. Six or eight people came, and we had an evening of utter indulgence of reading. Okay. Betchman's poems. And oh, then wonderful! Said, we ought to get in touch with other Betchman societies. Yes. Three years now since he died. Yes. Yes, what a good idea! How? Yeah. Well, the only book I had said Murray's of Albemarle Street. Right. And I, I wrote, dear Mr. Murray, in case there was a Mr. Murray. <laughs> yeah. And dear to his eternal credit. Yeah. Doc Murray replied within 10 days. Oh, wonderful. Said, what yeah. a lovely idea, but yeah. I don't know of any other Betchman societies. There aren't any. So you but started it. Write to his daughter. <laughs> so I wrote yeah. to his daughter, and yeah. he must write to his literary executor, Lady Elizabeth Cavendish. Right. And I did that. And to their eternal credit, they replied almost by return of post to say, This is a lovely idea, yeah. um, but don't just stick to Betchman's poetry. Read other writers that he influenced him or mm -hmm. he influenced, mm -hmm. and go to places that he um, wrote about and liked. Right. And yep. that's what. And so 
the next of uh, the next poetry reading we had, I said, "What do we do?" <laughs> and so I went and sat by Edward Wright, and I said, "Edward, what do we do?" Uh-huh. Well, my dear, and, you know, he was in a neighbour. He said, "Well, my dear, you, I don't know." I said, "Do you think we need a public meeting?" Well, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "I said, but how do you get people to come?" I don't know, my dear. <laughs> I said, "Do you think we need something in the local paper?" Oh, yes. <laughs> Okay. I was writing articles for the local paper at the time about physiotherapy. Mm. So I, the editor um, said, oh, yes, <laughs> but we must have a photograph and we must have a quote. Yeah. Or you can make up a quote, can't yeah. you? Yeah. Mm. And um, that, then we had a public meeting, and at the public meeting, yeah. some, some uh, people came. We had, I mean, it was the 21st of November, 1988, mm-hmm. and people came really flooding in great and I I don't know what Mike Irwin said because I said to everybody at the end would you like another meeting and they said oh yes <laughs> and so and you're you're now vice president it says I it, am a yeah vice on the now. site and, and, it's, and it's going very strong right and we are now I would say the the the, 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 the British authority on yeah. Betchman and the, the go-to people for anything to do with Betchman and Okay. Anything to do with That's great. Um, quotes That's or, great. Um, any, and I, um, any questions. I had a look on Amazon and I found the Betjamin Society scrapbook. Yes. So that looks yes, so that's well, you were involved in putting that together. I did that. Oh, wow. I, I did that. And the picture on the front, did you see a picture on the front? Yes, it's got a really nice picture on the front. That's yeah. by Ptolemy Dean. Ah, um, okay. Now Ptolemy Dean yeah. is a Kent chap. Yeah. And time he, he's, an, he's an architect his, his expertise was Sloan mm-hmm. Sir John Sloan right but he's now I, mean, he, I said to Ptolemy do you think you'd do a picture for me but nothing to do with Betchman he said yeah I would but what would you like your house I said no our house doesn't merit you um, yeah then I thought what about Poets Corner and Westminster Abbey perfect yeah in that picture there's the memorial to Betchman and I was mm-hmm. instrumental in getting that in Poets Corner. Ah, okay. Um, and, and Ptolemy is now the surveyor of the fabric. Hey. Of and when he says to me, he said, Philippa, would you ever, would we ever have thought when I did that picture that I'd become surveyor of the fabric at Westminster Abbey? <laughs> That's so quite I went something. back to the dean and I said to him, have you thought about putting Betchman in Poets Corner? Um, and, he, and he said, well, we, well, we have, uh, but you can't put people in until they've been dead for 10 years, just to be sure they're popular. Uh, and, I, and so he said, but I'll show you where we'll, we'll put him. Put it. I've, I've, he, I've, I've got the cut. Will he move the chair? Will he move the chairs aside on the floor? And I said, no. He said, you don't look very pleased. I said, no. <laughs> I don't want people to sit on, you know, the floor will be covered. Uh-huh. We went back three years later, and he said, we've had, you're quite right, we've had another idea. There's a window on the, on the yeah. And we're going to put pl- panels of glass there with the. Oh, you said you don't look very pleased. I said, well, it's a bit grim. I mean, <laughs> up by eye level, you can't really read them. <laughs> anyway, we went back three years later and he said, yeah. we've actually found a cartouche. Okay. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, oh, yes. And on the pillar. Oh, yes. Yes, I can <laughs> see it on the picture now. I've got the picture up in front of me. Yeah. yeah. And the and cartouche the is right in the middle. It is yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. So that picture tells the story. So that, that that's great. That was, um, well, I'll put that in the show notes. So that's good. Well, and so and um, 
Right, so how did Cantarctica come about then? Cantarctica came about because um, Celine Pickard um, and my, I think Angie Butler and Caro mm-hmm. um, organised this trip to Antarctica. Right. By then, the ship was in my collection and we'd had our launch parties. Uh, okay, yeah. And Jake and I decided in the end we would splash out. And go. And we would go. Yeah. And it just happens that there are quite a lot of people in East Kent uh-huh. who uh, have involvement with Antarctica. Well, there was John Smith, who'd been meteorologist. Yes, of course, yeah, on, I remember. On the yeah. Island, yeah. And his wife taught our children when we lived in Wingham. Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah. can't believe they're coincidence. It's all interconnected. Interconnected. And then I wondered why. They got an extra bit of land in Wingham, and I often wondered how on earth he came about. Um, building those sheds, and uh-huh. he, he built them from flotsam and jetsam at Sandwich Bay. Uh-huh. And the reason he did that was because he'd been on Deception Island and he wasted nothing. Okay. You know, Deception yeah. Island is yeah. it's a, it's a drowned volcano. Yeah. And one day, John was John Smith, and he was there, was down on the shore, uh-huh. and he found pink things floating around. It was krill had cooked in the hot water that was blowing up from the volcanic. Oh, oh wow. Yes. That's fascinating. <laughs> and that's know, off Deception that's... Island. On Deception Island, that, yeah, yes. that that's where Shackleton was heading for, wasn't it? They didn't quite make it to there when they were when they were uh, on Endurance. I think they were trying they to get... They couldn't land. Yeah. Uh, yes. They almost got to Deception before they they uh, had to... Yeah, didn't quite make it to there. So, and I think and, some, some, some expeditions do get to Deception Island, but not many. No. So how did how did you go to Antarctica? Which ship? We went on the um, um, Vavilov, the um, the Vavilov. Um, uh huh. Which uh, who's that with? Uh, with? With it was with Ice Tracks. Oh yes, because uh, Ice Tracks are going back next year. Carol, yes, I know. Was it Sergi Vavilov? Sergey Vavilov. Um, I've, I've got it. I mean, I've uh-huh. got it. And, and her um, husband is a great medal maker. Okay, and that, uh, they're going. They're doing a, a quest expedition of their own. So they're doing a um, a hundred year uh, quest ice tracks exib- expedition. So yes. and uh, taking a number of people down there, including uh, I think Stephen Scott Fawcett and and so on. So it's a number of people going. That, so we joined the Scott Polar Research Institute. We then went on our expedition to Antarctica. Uh-huh. So and what what year would it would it have been when you went? I'm pretty sure it was 2016. That we okay, went. about five years ago. Yes, it's yeah. five years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, well, there were various people on that ship. Right. Every, everybody, as you talk about all these links, it's a very small world, the Antarctic world. <laughs> mm, mm. So I, that's what I'm finding. <laughs> all these interlinking things. Mm. I was surprised how many people from Kent and were involved. So it, it all led to various people in all sorts of walks of life. Bumping into people that had that Bumping link. Into yeah. And then it turned out that the other place in Cambridge, okay. the same Jane Francis, so Anne Shirley said, do invite her to come to your Antarctica, and she was only too ready to come because and then she, she grew came. up in Canterbury. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's right. Okay. 
So um, yeah. I'm going to I'm going I'm going to move on to the next uh, official question, yeah. which is, can you what what's what's your earliest memory? What's the first thing you can really remember? And how old were you? I would say, uh, well, it was making houses out of matchboxes. Oh, that fits. <laughs> yeah. Very much the coronation. Oh right, the nineteen where what? Nineteen fifty three. Fifty three wasn't it the coronation? Yeah. 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 Oh. Memories of that. So really strong memories. And did you have a television? No, but, I, but my parents uh -huh. uh, went to watch at a house where they had, had a television. Right. And and Richard Summers yeah. and I yeah. uh, were put into the dining room and we were told not to go, <laughs> not to go in and, and we were being naughty. Well, it's not surprising really. <laughs> but, but what I, I do remember, I was given a, a glass a glass mug uh, yeah. for my coronation. Uh -huh. uh, everybody was given a, a, a coronation present. And right. I was given a glass mug, which I still have. That's great. And my sister was given a miniature uh, carriage and horses. Oh, lovely. Which I craved. I wanted it so <laughs> badly. And, and she lost it. Oh, si sibling ago. rivalry over, over a carriage and oh, horses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, my love of tiny things. So, uh, so my first memory really was so well, a, a build, very happy life in Chislehurst. So build and building very gone. small models and things and yeah. yeah. Oh right, okay. Now, if you this this is our special question that we only have on our podcast. So uh, if you could go back in time, and you could meet Sir Ernest Shackleton, what what would you want to ask him? It's a it's a tough I'd question. Like to this ask one. Him what it was that inspired him to go to the great risks and efforts to gather his crew and to go down to Antarctica. So what, I, I what, mean, what was his inspiration? What was his inspiration? Mm -hmm. What was the inspiration to, to follow, when well, he presumably followed his star, but to know that he was heading mm. for great risks? And, and what would I ask him? What would I ask him? Gosh, how would he get sponsorship? What? How would he get the food? How right. would he plan the food? Oh my goodness! So many questions. Yes, so many questions. Would, and, and you think about their communication. They had no communication with the outside world. Well, that's it. I mean, they 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 could go for months, sometimes years, without knowing a, a significant world event had happened. Yes, yeah. and how? I think I'd probably like to know how would he plan to mentally mentally provide for the crew okay because i think that's something where the crew might struggle if they had any anger or any animosity mm. they'd mm. have to break the ice mm. so to speak <laughs> good, ch good choice of words <laughs> <laughs> okay that's nice i like that okay now uh unbelievable truth is there something uh, that might surprise us that uh, something we might not expect about you
birthday cards. Okay. And he, the proceeds of these rhymes he used to educate us. Wow. Save our education. That's amazing. And the and the and the fact was that the rhymes he sent to a, a card company in Blackburn. Uh huh. Which. It was up north, so that was out of our out of our world. Wow! But so he happen. would he would compose the rhymes for cards. Yes. Send them off and get commission. They would be commissioned. They would be yes. He he, he got known by this company. What a clever Blackburn, clever and man! And he would order 40, 40 general, uh, sort of ten yeah. aunt, ten uncle, five cousins, <laughs> five grandparents, sort of suitable rhymes. Okay. And look at them and keep what they wanted and send back those they didn't want. That's a lovely story. Yeah. I married Jake and his aunt worked for this No. Oh, no. (laughs) 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 Sometimes you got... I was discovering that my father wrote these rhymes and it was used the proceeds of these rhymes to educate that's a lovely story. Thank you for sharing I think, that. I think so. And I yeah. think that's probably the rhythm of the rhymes ran yeah. through my father. And the rhythm of Betchman's poetry probably ran oh, okay. through me. Yeah, definitely. So, Oh, that's nice. And, and, and if, uh, well, the next one's emergency rations. Now, you've been to Antarctica. Was there, was there a, a tasty treat or was there some food that you had to take with you? We took nothing, and somehow they provided salad every day. Wow! I'll never know how they did it. <laughs> so you didn't uh, you didn't have a, a treat that you wanted to take with you? Ginger biscuits. Ginger ah, that, that you've got something in common with Genevieve now. So, so, <laughs> so, so Genevieve chose that when she was interviewed. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, her grandfather used to uh, give her ginger biscuits. So it. Um, she it reminds her of him so <laughs> stale, stale ginger biscuits <laughs> <laughs> talking about stale <laughs> okay and uh, is there a special item you like to take with you when you travel um i i have to tell you it's my mm-hmm. mobile phone okay must have that with you yeah yeah yes. It's everything, really. It's yep. all my information. It's all it's my all there. family connections. Yeah. It's all my photographs. Everything's there. Everything. Oh, that's nice. And it, so, if you were stuck somewhere for a long period of time, you'd have all those photographs, and you'd have yeah, that's nice. Yeah. And and know that you could contact people. Okay. Yeah. And I take, if I couldn't take that, I'd have Radio Four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can, I can, I can uh, associate with that. Um, I, I couldn't live without Desert Island Discs. So, oh, it's mar- well, it, I love it. Sometimes it's marvelous. Yeah, it yeah. can be good. I mean, it, yeah, I, I, I do listen every week, but some are much better than others. Yeah. So, now your thoughts about Antarctica? What, having been there, why do you think it's such a special place? There's so different. There's so many different bits to it, really. I mean, you think about. Um, Paradise, Paradise Bay, and the sunny and the complete whiteness and blueness. Mm-hmm. Wonderful sunny day we were there. One day we 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 landed in one of those um, rubber boats. What, mm-hmm. They're not pangas. So, they Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah. yeah. And I remember 
I was, I'm always so happy in rock pools. Mm-hmm. Never enough time in the rock pools because we always had to get back onto the ship. But right. I remember once, I just looking at a rock pool and, and the treasure I found was a starfish. Oh, wow. Oh, I was so delighted to find that. That's great. Yes, it was so, I, I would always, I, well, everything, I love the smell of penguins. <laughs> A lot of penguins. Well, I've yet um, to experience that. <laughs> the way, the way, I, I'd love to have spent more time on the Falkland Islands. Mm-hmm. We were really short of time. I'd so, love to have spent more time in the rock pools. Right. Um, I, I so rough, roughly, what was your route then? You did Falklands. Did you do? We went Ush, Ushuaia. Yeah. Um, Falklands. Yeah. South Georgia. You did South Georgia. Then, yeah. And then. Um, uh, the, the, the Antarctic Peninsula. Yeah, Port Lockroy. Port Lockroy. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. we didn't go to oh, Port Lockroy. Oh, you didn't Lockroy. go to Port Lockroy. No, unfortunately, no. we didn't, but we did land and we did post some letters. We right, right. To another, another. They hadn't, I think they hadn't booked, or, or couldn't book Port Lockroy. We right. were never really told, but yeah. we couldn't go to Port Lockroy. Okay. Um, the, the service in, 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 the, in the church on the Falklands, yeah. um, where Shackleton and Wilde yeah. were buried, um, memory. That would be South Georgia. That was South Georgia. South Georgia, yeah. I'll tell you yeah. something else as well. Uh-huh. Jake's uncle yeah. um, had left school and he joined Marconi and at 16 every ship, when he, when, he, and when he was 16 he joined Marconi. Right. And every ship at that time had to have a radio operator on it. Okay. And, it, and they were employed by Marconi. Yeah. And Jake's um, um, uncle went down, he, he was responsible for Locating, they harpooned the whales. Right. And he was responsible for locating these whales. Oh wow! When they and so they they went and hauled them back onto the onto the ship and uh-huh. started flinching them. Right. And, and when we went to South Georgia and the oh gosh, it was so exciting seeing the whaling sheds and imagining mm. Shackleton. Mm. Gosh, imagine imagine him coming over and a story of him. Just incredible, him. isn't it? It's an um, incredible the story. Station, this rusty, corrugated iron, rusty whaling sheds. It was one of the most romantically wow. gloomy, eerie, wonderful sights. Oh, God. Mm. Yeah. And to think that Jake's uncle had been there. And worked for Marconi. So. And worked, he worked for Marconi, Okay. Because yes. they had a radio on. I know they had a radio on the Quest because they... There, there, there's um, some documentation in Wireless Magazine all about the Quest's radio, so that I found. Oh, yeah. So important. Yeah. Um, they so, wouldn't have had a, They wouldn't have had one on Discovery, but on, on Quest. They yeah, Quest had. they did, and they, and they definitely. I know they did a radio transmission um, on the day they left, but I don't know quite what happened after that. So I, I'll have to re- write up, read up a bit more about that. Um, but they definitely did a radio transmission on the 17th of September. That's the day we're hoping to go under Tower Bridge. Oh, are you? So, the yeah. 17th of September? Next year. Oh, next year? Yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah luckily next year. I mean, publicity is so vital mm. for all these things. Mm. So to get people interested and to... Well, we think we, we've, we've partnered with the Lady Daphne Thames Barge. 
and they're yeah. they're they're a tall ship. They're going to take us under Tower Bridge on the day. And it's and all organised. It's all organised, and we've got the Harbour Master's permission to have Tower Bridge raised. That's all sorted, yeah. and uh, we're going to have a bar on board. So uh, it should be quite a, an interesting day for those that get a ticket. <laughs> well, we're going to use it indirectly. It's going to be a way of rewarding people that have sponsored us in in a big yeah. way. So yeah, we'll 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 do all we can. It should That's be a, day, it'll be a great day out that. So, terrific, yeah. terrific event. But, uh, well, thank you, well, thank you so much. So, thanks for listening. To find out more about the Request 2021 project and how you can support and follow our progress, just visit our website on www.request2021.org.uk. That's www.request2021.org.uk. And uh, please give this podcast a review, share it and, uh, and spread the word to anyone you know who's interested in Antarctica. Thank you.